In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Do you ever feel like your life is out of control? Like there are things going on in the realm, in the world all around you that you have no power to change? Do you ever feel like you're lost? Abandoned or forgotten as the world just passes you by? Sometimes it can be easy to feel this way. Like maybe we don't have the ability or the resources to get back on track with our lives. Sometimes it can feel like that in our spiritual life as well. This morning, Jesus gives us two parables in the Gospel according to St. Luke about things that are lost. This morning we heard the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin. The third one, which immediately follows in this same chapter, is probably the most well-known. It's the parable of the prodigal son. But it's interesting for us, I think, to focus just on these two lesser-known parables this morning and see what Jesus has to teach us about God. I think these parables are oftentimes used a little bit incorrectly as kind of an evangelistic tool, emphasizing us as the shepherd, where we're directed to go and seek out the lost, seek out those who we feel have strayed from the flock and somehow bring them back into the fold. But the good news for us this morning, is that's not exactly our job. Yes, we are called to be evangelists of the gospel, and I know it's the scary E word in the Episcopal Church. But evangelist means bring good, good news bringer, bringer of good news. And we do this through our words and through the way that we live our lives. We might actually talk about Jesus every once in a while, too. But in the end, whether someone changes the way they live or restores their faith in God is not really under our control, is it? A priest friend of mine once told me that a man compared the priesthood with being a salesman. No, my friend told the man, I'm not in the sales business. I'm in the marketing business. Only God can actually finalize the sale. I can just present the offer. And so looking at the parables, our position, our role, if you will, in the stories, is actually the one of the lost sheep and the lost coin. That might come as a surprise to some. First of all, we don't know why either of these items have become lost, and it really doesn't even matter. For whatever reason, they've become separated from their proper place. The sheep from the other 99 in the flock, and the coin from the other nine in the woman's coin purse. Sheep just get lost sometimes. Coins just get lost. It's what they do. And I'm no shepherd, but from what I understand, when a sheep gets lost, it will not necessarily go and seek out the fold to return to it. It doesn't have the knowledge or the instinct to go find its way back to where it needs to go. A sheep that is lost will probably hide in the bushes out of fear and stay put, maybe frozen in its tracks. And the last time I checked, a coin that is lost really has no ability on its own to be found. 
You can't just scream out from underneath the kitchen or the cushion of the couch. It just sits there. In both of these examples, the, the lost sheep and the lost coin are powerless. They're completely dependent on someone finding them. But they are found. The sheep is found by a very familiar figure to those who were hearing this parable for the first time. The shepherd, this pastoral, protective character that evoked memories of King David in the Psalms that he is credited with writing, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It's easy for us to imagine this shepherd God picking up the lost sheep and draping it across his shoulders, gently carrying it back to the rest of the flock. But certainly surprising to the early readers of this gospel, the lost coin is found by another godlike image, a woman, a simple homemaker who's sweeping her floor. It's actually the only illustration of God as a woman in the New Testament. But she is searching for what is already hers. That coin is not just something she randomly finds. It's actually already her possession. The sheep that wanders off is not some random stray sheep. It already belongs to the shepherd, and it's already a valuable part of that flock. We are already made in the image of God and baptized in the waters of resurrection. There's nothing we can ever do to change or undo that. There's a children's book that you might be familiar with called Love You Forever by Robert Munch. If you haven't heard about it, the book starts out with a mother holding her newborn baby as he sleeps, rocking him back and forth. And she sings to him, I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always. As long as I'm living, my baby you'll be. As the book progresses, that young baby gets older and older, and the illustrations that follow his life are scarily realistic and recognizable for anyone who has ever raised a child or has been a child. There's the toddler sitting on the floor in the bathroom. Toilet paper is pulled off the roll. There's toothpaste all over the floor. He's holding someone's watch over the toilet bowl, ready to flush it down the toilet. But on the next page, after all that, the mother quietly comes into the child's room and picks him up while he's sleeping and sings, I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always. As long as I'm living, my baby you'll be. The child grows into a teenager, tracking mud over the floor, breaking flower vases because he's rowdy, leaving pizza all over the carpet. But every night, that mother comes in and sings, I'll love you forever. And finally, when the mother has become old and frail and sick, it's the grown man who goes to his mother, picks her up, and sings, I'll love you forever. Not only is this book a wonderful bedtime story, but it actually turns out to be a pretty good parable in itself. Might be an unlikely place to find an image of God, but I guess that's how it works sometimes. From before we were formed in our mother's wombs, we are gods. As we go through our lives and become lost, messing things up over and over again, and straying off the path, 
God will always seek us out. God will always love us forever. And each time we are found, whether it's by that good shepherd lifting us up out of the bushes when we don't know how to get back, or whether it's the sweeper woman finding that lost coin that doesn't even know that it's lost, or whether it's that father welcoming back his prodigal son who has knowingly squandered everything he has, there is rejoicing. There's a party. I don't hear anything about condemnation. I don't hear anything about punishment in this good news. I hear rejoicing. St. Paul writes, The saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Jesus came into the world to save the lost. That's us. And God will love us forever.